Welcome to a special episode of Tell Us Your Story. Uh, I'm in the IPA studio today with uh, Greg Ross Handler, who's the director of Peachtree Capital uh, and has a long history in the manufacturing industry here in Australia. Greg, thanks for, for joining me on Tell Us Your Story. Great. How are you today? Excellent. Very good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. So we'll get right into things. Can you just tell us a bit about um, how you got started in business, um, how how this whole journey began? Yeah. Well, it began quite young, uh, leaving school actually around about uh, 16 and messing around on a few jobs and uh, and and working. There was always a uh, an energy for work. And, and a curiosity. So at 20, I actually started a manufacturing business, which was making plastic bags, very ordinary plastic bags. And it wasn't magical. It was uh, supplying, at that time, uh, manufacturers who used it uh, for women's hosiery. And uh, I wasn't particularly clever. I just did it better and faster and quicker than my competitors. So you had a bag machine that probably cost, you know, back there in 1968, three or $5,000. You stood behind the bag machine and it sealed and cut it bags. And then I'd put them in the back of my car, write out an invoice, uh, deliver them to Brunswick or wherever the factory was in the, in the suburbs and, uh, and send them an invoice and hope that I collect my money in seven or 30 days maximum, and that I would get another order for three or five million bags uh, so that I could keep this machine running. And uh, I did that for about a year, and then uh, one day stood outside the uh, little shop in High Street, Paran, and I said to everybody who walked in front of me, you want a job, you want a job, you want a job, you want a job? And uh, this Greek gentleman put up his hand, he said, I'd love a job. So I figured, you know, let me do the selling and let him do the production. So in a very modest way, he was my first employee. And that over 40 years led to a business of about 470 people and five factories. And uh, without boring you the details about that journey, I think the lesson in all of this is that I always went for value added. Mm. So you start with a commodity bag, you start to understand the industry, you end up with a laboratory, with technicians, you end up uh, targeting uh, sophisticated work that uh, you had fewer competitors for and where you had a higher barrier to entry. Yeah. And um, uh, so I would always enjoy investing in the business. I even invest today in, in, in other businesses. I'm hungry always to invest. And if you invest, um, you're going to get the right result if you surround yourself with the, the right people. Mm. And those two things are very, very important. So um, today when I'm doing some discussions on entrepreneurship, etc., I normally ask the students, you know, you know, what is an entrepreneur? Because I see myself as an unglamorous business builder. And a lot of people, you know, read the papers today, read about entrepreneurs and, you know, they make a billion dollars and they think, wow, this is the game to be in. Yeah. And they forget this fellow's probably working with a smell of an oil rag for the last 30 years and he's been fortunate enough to make it and he's probably, you know, made it with the help of a lot of investors because it's difficult to fund those businesses. Um, so um, um, my thoughts about uh, 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 being in business are often asking the person, you know, are they are they built for being in business? Are they better as an executive? 
do they have an appetite for risk? Do they have an appetite for worrying and working uh, 24-7 uh, and having debt? Uh, are they willing to pay the price uh, of, of this? Mm. And there's a price you pay for everything in life. So if you want to be a good dad, you've got to put in. And if you want to be a good husband, you've got to put in. And if you want to build a business, you've got to put in. And people often uh, talk about uh, balance, but I don't think it's about balance. It's about choices. Mm. And not everybody is, is made to run their own business and to take on these responsibilities and pressures we speak of. You, you don't make it sound very glamorous with sleepless nights well, and the smell of an oil rag and obviously it's a lot of hard work. Um, but if that's the case, then why do you think, what's the benefit of entrepreneurship and why should young people Well, I think there's nothing, you know, I think when it comes to, you know, pride and dignity and success, mm. uh, that's, a, that's a wonderful uh, um, uh, result of, of, of success. Um, uh, I think if there's anything that I didn't do enough of in regard to my business life, I didn't celebrate enough. Mm. I, I try and do that more, but that's got to do more with habit. So you're always striving. You're always uh, somewhat fearful. You're always worrying about debt. Um, and I think the moment all of those uh, uh, emotions disappear are the time you should probably you know, go fishing or playing golf. Mm. Um, so it, uh, I don't think it, you know, I think being a movie star is more glamorous <laughs> than being a businessman. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of hard work and it's a, uh, and it's a commitment that one is either wishing to make. And of course, you can always exit. And most businesses, are, I think, uh, go through two or three levels. You build a business and you either sell the business because it's all too much, too much worry, too much stress. You either um, build it and, and plateau the business, which means you're actually going backwards, um, or you uh, embrace change and you take it to the next step, mm. which is a journey of, of risk. Uh, and there's lots of failure, but I don't look at it as failure. I look at those things as all experiences. Yeah. And as long as you are in uh, on that journey and you are um, uh, comfortable with uh, the occasional ups and downs and disappointments and skills, consistency, managing people. Um, uh, I mean, that in itself is, is quite a skill. Uh, and most entrepreneurs who are used to uh, uh, having a fairly creative mind uh, are not always the best managers of people. For mm. that, you need inclusiveness. You need patience. You need to know that people work and digest things at a different pace than you. So um, horses for courses. Not mm. everybody is built yeah. for, for running their own business. Yes. So can you talk a little bit more about how you um, wound things up with the manufacturing yes. um, and, and how you actually then got into yes. property? Well, the, so the manufacturing went on for 40 years. Mm. And uh, at a certain point, uh, there were three things that were happening. There were major customers uh, like... Uh, Arnold's Biscuits or Kimberly-Clark or Nestle or whatever, who were opening up the Asian market and they wanted us as a reliable supplier here in Australia to open up in Asia because they trusted us and, uh, and so that was one cr uh, uh, junction. Mm. 
the second one was, you know, what would that mean? That means I'd probably have to be on a plane six or seven days in every month. So it's a, it's a major commitment. The third thing is that uh, the multiples that they were paying for businesses at that time in about just before the recession of 2018, about 2016, 17, were very, very high. So I came to the conclusion a lot of people don't know when to exit a business because they're fearful. They, they think, what am I going to do? Am I going to watch television? Am I going to uh, play golf? What am I going to do? Uh, and it takes some years to get your mind together emotionally and intellectually in regard to the exiting of a business. And suddenly, instead of having uh, extruders or printers or converters or laminators or uh, a sophisticated equipment and labor, you have X amount of dollars and you have to become an investor or you have to protect that in some way. Um, so you have to learn that, that those skills. And to me, that was challenging. And I would say that period probably lasted for about three or four years. So I always caution people when they sell a business, be careful you don't change, buy aeroplanes or change wives or buy other businesses too quickly yeah. and pay attention to the shift. And, and there is a big emotional and intellectual shift. Mm. So they were the sort of reasons, I'm sure there were a few more also, uh, that made me think uh, um, there is a time to uh, to exit this business, and uh, forty years seemed the appropriate time. And and then so it was a few years later that you and started getting into property. Oh, exactly. That was after the global financial well, uh, crisis. Uh, that's right. So the the, the crisis hit in uh, in two thousand eight, and um, then I spent time uh, looking at many different businesses. Uh, it took me a while to uh, move away from what I loved, which was manufacturing businesses, which were 24 hours, seven days a week, yeah. uh, exciting energy, urgency, um, into something which was less intense, uh, w which is property. And property, like any business that I spoke of before, needs the same sort of attention, but it's different. You don't have a customer that rings you three in the morning and says, listen, I've got to have this delivery because we've got to deliver to Woolworths and we need, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> five ton of material to go onto our filling machines so that we can wrap our best biscuits or whatever product is in there. So um, it's a, it's a uh, quite a different shift, uh, but it's, a, it's an appropriate shift because um, unless you've got um, succession and unless uh, you have family that want to enter that business and again are skilled to enter that business, I think the wise thing is to uh, reach a certain point where you examine the options and take what seems as a hard decision but ends up a good healthy decision. There's just this period of adjustment that I speak of. And I'd like to go back to something that you said earlier, which was about understanding yourself and yeah. understanding if you're an entrepreneurial person. Yes. Um, and also understanding if, if you um, would be a good partner or if someone yeah. you're thinking of working with would be a good yeah. partner. Yeah. Um, how do you, if, if you've just finished school or you're in university, yeah. um, how do you think young people can, can figure out those those questions? Well, I, I think the first thing is, you know, and, and I'm not sure if that's DNA, but I think a lot of it is DNA, is, is your own energy 
uh, for work and for curiosity and for excellence. Um, so you might find that, uh, uh, well, as I did, I mean, I was always uh, working, you know, be it the weekends, washing cars as a young kid or um, uh, wanting to be independent um, and, uh, you know, financial independence gives you options. That's the attractive thing about financial independence. Um, so uh, I think that you can go through uh, journeys where uh, you may have a, a, a partnership and you learn from that and you say this is very successful because the business is successful. Not everybody grows with the business. Um, you may find that, that you may be growing with the business, but the partner that you agreed on together on terms, you know, 10 years ago, um, has become uh, more comfortable or um, uh, more restful and not wishing to take on further um, risk. Um, so I think uh, there isn't a, a, a one-fits-all. Mm. I think it's more about uh, one's um, own drive for where they want to go and does the marriage and the partnership uh are they on the same page? And they can be on the same page for a period of time and then they cannot be on the same page. They can change. And uh, uh, sometimes you might have a situation then where you buy out your partner or um, you don't have the cash to buy out your partner. So if you think forward, you can say, well, I'm brought in a partner and I'm going to look for certain ways to exit this marriage in time, which you agree with with a partner, um, so that if in five or 10 or 15 years time, uh, both persons are moving in two different directions, you can have an option to buy your partner at the at market value, mm. uh, maybe payable over two or three years with commercial interest rates. Yeah. So there's creative ways of uh, building a business and constantly looking forward. And, and that's my job as a business person constantly looking forward. So when I'm looking at a property now, I'm saying, what what is the uh, tenant of the future going to uh, want? What's he more, what's he going to be concerned about? Well, straight away, we can think, particularly after the COVID, mm. about, about air circulation, about uh, health, about um, uh, how many people are going to sit in an office together, how many people will be working from home, what kind of hybrid will evolve out of this. So because we're sort of still early in the in the pandemic, it's difficult to predict what's going to happen in two or three years. But I think it's your job as the driver to ask yourself those questions all the time mm. um, instead of just sitting on what you have presently and say, well, that will do, that's the office. The important thing is to say to the customer of the future and the customer of the present, what are your needs? What do you think uh, you will want so that I can support and supply that? Yeah. And um, you may have a partner who is exceptionally skilled in um, the the technical level or the administrative level um, uh, because you're never going to find one person doing all these things because you need in the business a salesperson, a driver, somebody who's looking forward, somebody who's skilled in administration, somebody who's skilled in tax, all of these things. So the key of that driver is to say, I've got to surround myself with the best people. Mm. And that is a difficult 
challenge because everybody wants the best people. But that means you've got to be able to uh, hire the person, be very clear in the brief of your expectations of that person, and be very clear that when you review that in three months or six months or nine months or whatever you've agreed upon, that if it's not working as you've both planned, that you can exit. Yeah. And that's not a pleasant job for a person that runs a business because you're dealing with emotions. You're talking about a person that may have children, mortgages, etc. So all of these things are, in my opinion, they're hard. And occasionally you get some real wonderful wins because you've worked at it for a long time to purchase a particular property or to secure a wonderful uh, long-term tenant. Um, and, and they should be celebrated. Mm. Uh, but I think without making it sound too tough, you know, all of these things fall under the umbrella of focused, disciplined, hard work. And so thinking about, about a young person who, um, who thinks that they're hardworking, they're determined, they've got a bit of an appetite for risk. Yes. Um, but they've never done anything in business before. They've never tried to start a yes, business. Yes. Where do you think they should, what's the first step? Well, I think the first step is probably with a person with this kind of energy that he's got a few dollars in his back pocket because yeah. that'll give him a few options. And if you don't have a few dollars in your back pocket, then you are already going to say to yourself, gosh, I can't even fund thinking about what I want. So that immediately gets you in a situation of investors and partners. But uh, it's, it's difficult. Uh, today, of course, we are in an increasingly competitive environment. So education is, to me, the most important. Mm. So even if you leave school early, you have a responsibility to keep on reading, to keep on learning, to keep on growing, yeah. uh, to keep on working. You know, if I was 16 or 17 or 19 today, I would say, gosh, what am I going to do in the weekend? Mm. You know, how much do I want to party and how much do I want to work? Because the more uh, uh, strength I've got in, in pursuing my options and the more dollars I've got, uh, the, the, as I said, the, 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 the few bucks in your back pocket will give you some options. Yeah. So they're the ingredients you need for a start. And, and when you are working and when you are active, uh, you are exposed to a whole lot of things that you don't even think about. You're exposed to, you know, somebody who comes to a supermarket because you're at the checkout and you know that there's a pattern and people spend money on their payday and not at the beginning of the week. Mm. I remember as a young boy when I used to, uh, uh, you know, serve gas for, for in, a, in a car and I'd figure out how come it gets busy on a Thursday. And I mean, you know, maybe my mind wasn't too smart, <laughs> but that's when people got paid. Yeah. And that's when they fill their car up. Mm. And that's when you learnt that you don't put, you know, water in the petrol tank and, uh, you know, and, 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 and you learn all this small stuff yeah. that leads to uh, opening your mind to understanding and learning about people, behaviour, opportunities. Uh, they come by actively being engaged um, uh, and, and then uh, options come to you. But I go back to my initial comment about education. This is very, very important. It's not so much that you have to have a certificate on your wall. Yeah. It's, it's knowing, first of all, that if I don't want to go in business, I better be an excellent engineer or I better be uh, an excellent uh, skilled person in, in, in law or commerce. 
the word I repeat all the time is, is this word excellence because this ought to be your focus. This ought to be your target. This ought to be your uh, um, uh, agenda. And you're either built that way. Um, I'm not quite sure how many people uh, embrace this later. I think uh, some of this starts at a very young age yeah. when you're bringing up your own children and you sit at a table and you talk to them about how they you know, hold a knife and hold a fork and how they eat with their mouth closed or how they don't interrupt a parent. I mean, you know, all sounds kind of strict and tough, but it makes life actually quite easy yeah. because you don't have to try and educate them at 12 years old how to do this because that's going to be much more difficult. Yeah. So um, there is a, a lot of fun, but there is, as I said, a lot of discipline, hard work. Yeah. And you mentioned a few times there having having a few dollars gives you some yeah. options. And you yes. mentioned at the beginning yes. about getting into something with higher barriers to entry. Yes. I'm wondering if you can talk about that because I've heard you say before you should uh, go into a business where you have to invest a lot of yes. money yes. because it deters other people from yes. doing the same. Yes. And I think nowadays young people are often told, well, all you need to start a business is your laptop because you can, yes. because there's all these tech companies that yeah. all it was was, was yeah. an entrepreneur in their laptop. Yes. Um, but you disagree. Yes, so can you, I, I disagree. Can you the, laptop, that the laptop is a wonderful tool mm. for education. It's a tool. Yeah. Um, and not everybody has to go into sophisticated businesses where there are high barriers to entry. If I want to work in a restaurant and I find that, gosh, I could do a few things better than this fellow who runs this restaurant. I mean, restaurants are the same. They're all selling food. You've just got to do it better than other people. So when I talk about high barriers to entry, when I talk about manufacturing, for example, if you're making commodity plastic bags for garbage bags or for, as I began with, hosiery bags, mm and you want to get into sophisticated packaging for you know, the lid of yogurt, for example, uh, where you might have two or three substrates for uh, shelf life, for odour, uh, you need sophisticated extruders to laminate uh, a special recipe. If you want to make medical packaging, which would be a good industry, uh, given that uh, people's awareness of medical needs and safety and cleanliness, etc. There are only few people in that industry because uh, the barriers to entry are, are very high. Mm. And if you're uh, selling that to hospitals, uh, they are highly unlikely to change suppliers for a few cents. Yeah. Whereas if you're making bags for grocery shopping or for hosiery bags, you know, for three cents cheaper, somebody else would do it and deliver it a little bit faster. So one should always go for uh, higher barriers to entry where your competitor's got to scratch his head and say, gosh, to do this, I've got to spend $5 million on an extruder. I've got to have a laboratory with four or five technicians. All of this costs a lot of money. And that separates the men from the boys. Mm. But as you get into these areas of value add, your pricing is better, you'll get a better margin, and you'll have fewer competitors. Mm. But you've got to want to um, uh, have that mentality of investing. Yeah. And so I have that mentality even with property. I will invest even when it's not necessary. If I think the elevator looks tired, I'll invest a million dollars in those elevators. If I think the foyer looks tired, I will spend a few million dollars in 
uh, doing that superbly. And you don't always need to do it, but if you do do it and you have a situation like, for example, the COVID crisis, and you have good tenants, you've looked after them, they're in a beautiful building, you've given them first-class service in regard to their needs about from everything, from air conditioning to security, you will find that you sit in a good place today versus somebody who has not looked after their asset mm. and has a half-empty building and will wait in the in this environment for two years to get a tenant. Uh, so investing to me is, is a very simple, healthy, smart way of building your business. And you mentioned COVID, so we should yeah. pick up on that. Do yeah. you think that, uh, how do you think um, business in Australia is going to be different? Do you think that if someone's starting a business now, um, are things different for them than it would have been if they started a business four years ago? Shall I tell you, I, I think that, uh, that starting a business and, and recognising opportunities can happen when the market is uh, soft but uh, even what has happened in this state with uh, a lot of industries that have been very smashed, like mm. the hospitality yeah. industry, restaurant industry, etc. Uh, again, people still nevertheless have to eat. You know, you, one has to give more thought as to the location of that restaurant. One has to give more thought in regard to the um, uh, how you uh, separate uh, and identify your business versus the guy down the road. But um, I don't think you can choose your times. I, I think it's yeah. more about recognising uh, opportunities. And, uh, and it can start off in a very competitive area like, like I began where there were lots of people doing commodity stuff, but it can move up the scale from a coffee house to a sophisticated uh, restaurant uh, if, if, if that's your objective. Mm. Um, so I don't think this should scare anybody off I just think one should recognise in regard to offices, for example, a sort of hybrid where um, uh, there will be a mixture of uh, offices. But at the end of the day, you will still very much need um, that culture, that head office, that interface communication. But you may find that there are certain aspects of that, uh, that office where somebody is doing payroll or an administrative job where there isn't a great deal of interface other than picking up the telephone and uh, they want to spend more time uh, with their children or with their family or whatever. So I think uh, eventually all uh, all of this will um, improve. It will be slow because you've got to remember we haven't even opened up our borders internationally yet. Mm. We haven't got... Uh, tourism going yet we haven't got education going yet so uh, we are fortunate that we are a big island uh, and that we're very protected uh, and that we're doing a good job uh, but uh, we're only in my opinion uh, about a third through this journey Mm. Uh, I think we've still got another two or three years to go with uh, with hiccups and shutdowns and how they will be dealt with will will tell us um, uh, how quickly we can uh, move forward. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to remember that uh, the whole world is impacted mm. by this. Yeah. So it's a big job to um, open up your borders and trade internationally mm. and do all the things that we've been used to. I think early on in when coronavirus came into Australia, um, people quickly started talking about domestic um, manufacturing capabilities yes. and not being able to get 
um, PPE equipment from yeah. overseas yes. or face masks or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, what do you think the future of – can we still manufacture in Australia? Well, I think, again, you know, um, uh, we're talking mainly uh, products there which are commodities mm. uh, dealing with uh, countries that manufacture them where they have uh, low, low cost compared to Australia, uh, improving technology – uh, I think we, we are we are a high cost country, yeah. and um, so one has to say, what part of those products can I manufacture in this country, where I can uh, identify um, a, a, a product which is different than a commodity product, which will still be um, required uh, by consumers in this country. Now, I can't think of anything offhand because I'm, I'm not in that industry. Yes. But um, can we compete with masks? No, we can't. You know, if you're dealing with uh, um, the uh, Chinese economy and you're talking about, as I said, low cost, high productivity, improving technology, uh, there's no way we can compete. But I'm sure we can compete with products that they're not interested in although they're moving towards that as well. The Chinese are moving similar to the Japanese where uh, they went to value-added and before you know it, the Japanese were making Lexus cars and Panasonic and uh, televisions and all the sort of things which, you know, people would have thought 50 or 60 years ago they were just uh, manufacturing ordinary commodity products. Uh, And I think the Chinese economy is moving into value-added all the time. What I would do, I think, if I was a young man, I'd probably go to a few of the fairs which they have in Chicago and in McCormick Centre there and Birmingham and Cologne and Beijing. And often they have these incredible exhibitions which are for particular sectors of industry. They can be for hygiene, they can be for food, they can be for agriculture. I I used to do this. Uh, well, probably once a year where I would visit these and I would always learn something. Mm. I would come across somebody in McCormick Centre in Chicago who is looking for an agent in Australia uh, for um, fire extinguishers and things like I can't even recall. But there's always opportunities. So travel is important. Yeah. An open mind is important. So it's not as if you go there saying, I'm going to look because I definitely want to bring in products which are associated with hygiene. I think what you do is you open up your mind and you don't need a great deal of money for that. You know, you stay at an ordinary motel, you get tickets for two or three days because it takes two or three days to absorb what is in these massive exhibitions Mm. and you see uh, current technology, future technology, and for somebody that is uh, creative and thoughtful looks at that and says, gosh, we don't have that in Australia. And you might find, as I did with one of my products, I picked up an agency and I brought that back to Australia and I was the first in, best dressed, and the product did particularly well. So I go back to my initial conversation about having an open mind Mm. uh, in regard to opportunities. So before I let you go, are there any opportunities that you missed or anything that you did different, that you would have done differently? Um, if you had your time again, is there anything you would you would have changed? Um, I think I would have spent uh, a little bit more time investing in other activity than the business, uh, be it a sport activity, um, 
I think that I gave up tennis quite quite young and uh, came to you know a time in your life where you understand that you have to be healthy and fit uh, and now I'm paying much more attention uh, to this but I think uh, I would have loved to have uh, spent maybe you know 10 or 15 percent of my time um, engaging more in activities beyond the business so that's as I say at the beginning of the discussion part of the the price you pay yeah uh, and you look back and say well that would have been nice would have the business have been as big I'm not sure maybe uh, but uh, uh, but I don't have any uh, regrets about the journey I think the journey has been interesting and stimulating and there's not much that I, I wouldn't have done uh, I've, I've enjoyed the challenge Perfect. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Tell us your story and Pleasure. talking to me about, about your journey. Pleasure. Thanks for having me.